Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. So we're raising our children, and you try and do the best job that you can, raising them to be empathetic and compassionate and to understand the limitations that your family might have, because not everybody has everything. And your children see what other kids have, and they say, oh, this is what I want, or they want a big birthday party or a big bat mitzvah, and certainly in my area, that's what my kids had seen. And it's very difficult sometimes as a parent to try and rein some of that entitlement in and teach your children not only to take care of their own things and around the house, but to take care of the things around them. And to understand that there are limits, but that we all have to kind of look to each other. This is not an easy lesson to learn. And so we're trying to teach our children to curb expectations and not to become a spoiled brat, which, you know, is is sort of a complaint of older people of a lot of the millennials today. And my guest today is Dr. Michael Wetter. He's an author and a fellow of the American Psychotherapy Association and a, a psychotherapist. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wetter. So do you think, as you look at the millennials now, and then even our younger children, that because of the advent of everything now, so quickly, the internet, their phones, that this is contributing to this false sense of, I'm going to get out of college, earn as much as Bill Gates, right away? Absolutely. I mean, I started, I think, you know, the dot-com industry certainly uh, helped develop this, you know, I'm going to start up this this web-based business, I'll make my million and then I'll invest my million, and then I'll retire. You know, um, and, and I think that our culture, what we're seeing now with regards to children, adolescents, young adults, is the I need it now, and, and losing that sense of really earning what they achieve. Well, I agree, and, and it is a little bit deceiving for them, and probably a little disheartening when they get out and realize that they still have to pound the pavement and find a job, and that not everybody's going to come up with Google. Or, you know, <laughs> with or, Yahoo or, or whatever. Or that it's going to be given to them, okay? Uh, that really, I mean, I, I've interviewed a number of people in the, in the workplace, in hospital settings, as an administrator, and they come in and they, they are applying for positions that are, are usually reserved or, or earned by people who've been in the workforce for years, and they've come in earning their master's, or they've come in earning their, their bachelor's. And I say, why do you think you're, you're qualified for this position? They go, well, I've earned my master's degree. And my response is, that's correct. You worked hard in school to earn your master's degree, not earn this position. And there's, there's a very different mentality that goes about with, now I'm ready. And, and I, to be honest with you, I think there's always been a desire to, to achieve. I don't think it, it, that people are lacking a desire to achieve. I just think it's the speed at which they think they deserve to achieve. Well, and I think different than, I don't know how old you are, Dr. Wetter, but I'm in my early 50s, and I know that my parents had the view, and my grandfather before that, to leave something to us to make our lives a little bit easier, and the view went from there. I would certainly like to do the same, but it seems almost harder now. So my kids are looking at the fact that maybe I got left something by my grandfather, and they're like, so are you going to be, you know, and then there was books that come out, you know, die broke and stuff like that. So kids are looking to the fact that now it gets a little bit harder 
to sort of hand off everything and make it easy for the kids, and they're Correct. going to have to make this way, right? Correct. And, and again, that, that, that's almost the consequence of the carpe diem moment. If you live in the day, you're, you're not going to have anything left in the future. And sometimes I believe that the, the younger generation who really do want, hopefully, to have something left behind. I'm in my late 40s, so I'm not too far behind you. You know, uh, it, it was the same principle, which is I'm going to work hard so I leave something for future generations. And now, again, sort of the zeitgeist is enjoy what you have now. Don't worry about the future. Okay, enjoy what you have now. And the speed of which we proceed along that train of thought, it does give pause to what's going to come about, what's going to happen later on. And I think that these kids today, I mean, I don't even know if they really conceptualize it at a young age or even in adolescence. Oh, I don't think that they do. And certainly, you know, with all of the Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, all this. And I have been teaching, I have a 17 and a 15 year old, Dr. Wetter, and I've been teaching them <laughs> that whatever they put on the internet is now forever. living. I mean, if it's we, if, that's right. If we were caught drinking at a party because we took a Polaroid of it, you know, and that happened <laughs> to end up at Photomat or something where my parents picked up the pictures ahead of time. But otherwise, now things are permanent. And even colleges and universities are looking at some of these things, Facebook pages and such. And I've been telling my kids, listen, you guys be careful what you put out there because well, it's and, permanent and out there. And it's just that that's, that's so true. It, it sticks and stones may break my bones, but social media lasts forever. And it will haunt you if you are not cautious about how we approach it. And again, the immediacy of it, it's almost as if we have this wonderful resource that we're not yet prepared for, that we don't know quite how to handle. Um, you know, uh, you don't just give a car to a, a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old. There's a certain time where you're old enough or deemed old enough by the state to earn a driver's license and train and responsible for a car. What responsibility do do children or young adults have now in terms of the internet, in terms of social media? I think there needs to be, and I think it starts at home, and I think it starts with the parents in terms of absolutely really, it does. really instilling the values of when you do this, there is a consequence. You may not see it immediately, but you may see it in four years. You may see it in 10 years. People have been let, you're absolutely correct. Not only are employers and universities looking at this when you apply for the job, they're looking at it while you're actively employed. You can yeah. be terminated based on something that you post on social media. How true is that? So now we have to teach our children responsibility, accountability. We certainly want to teach them kindness and empathy. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the world today, and they see role models of various types. And so we have to really combat that with our own sense of responsibility and self-esteem and resilience as well. So what do you want us to start by doing with our children to bring that sense of non-entitlement and understanding to them? Well, I think one of the first concrete steps that parents have to uh, embrace is literally teaching our children how to fail effectively. And I don't mean how to quit. I mean that when they don't succeed, you don't allow them to either just quit and stop or you don't placate them and complete it for them. Allowing them to fail effectively means teaching them the value of failing so that can lead to success. If you didn't, if you didn't accomplish what you achieved, whether it be on a test, whether it be on a project, whether it be in sports, whatever it may be, what do you learn from that? What do you take away from that? And how does that inform you to do better on the next time? 
failure is such a critical component of success. When you think of some of the most successful people in the world in history, it's not because they just woke up one day, did something, and it worked out, and they were successful. They had to keep doing it over and over and over again. I mean, you could take someone as classic as, as Steve Jobs, okay, who, you know, whether we de- debate whether that man is defined as a success or not is a whole different story. But this is a man who didn't just wake up one day and, and develop Apple and, and was on top of the world. There were a number of failures. What did he learn from them? What did he do differently? And that can be applied to every figure. So teaching our children how to not just give in to failure, but how to learn from failure and to build success is the first and foremost critical step that I would recommend. I think that's a great idea and a great quality to teach in children. And I mean, Michael Jordan's another great example. He didn't make his high school basketball team, right? Absolutely. and so that's, you know, we have to find examples and that they can relate to. Now on to chores, because Dr. Wetter, I'm telling you, <laughs> my kids have to do everything from scrubbing toilets to mowing the lawns, taking out the garbage. I mean, everything. But that's how I grew up. In a big, huge family, we all had to do, you know, stuff. And right. so I have just two children, but they have to help around this house. And they've got friends. And sometimes when they grumble and complain, they say, oh, well, somebody, somebody doesn't have to do chores. And I'll say, really? Well, then they are not getting good life lessons and they won't know how to do the dishes when they get older. Or, you know, <laughs> I don't know what I say, but I, I they do throw that at me occasionally. Well, my friends don't have to do chores. I say, I don't care. You yeah, do. Well, you know, I get the same thing with my daughter, Leah. Okay. She'll say, well, you know, my friend Elizabeth doesn't have to do that, or, or my friend, you know, um, uh, Samantha doesn't have to do this, or her family gets to go on these, you know, wonderful trips, or, you know, she doesn't have to make her bed in the morning. She has the maid who comes in and makes the bed in the morning. And my response is, that's fantastic. That's so wonderful. How good for her. She's not my kid. You are. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, and, it's not, it's not, it's not a democracy, really. Oh, no, mm. no. You know. I, I love the, there's an old line in the military, you know, uh, and I didn't serve, so I, I, I don't own it. Uh, but it says, we're here to protect democracy, not practice. Okay? Ha, so and, that is right. And, and I've told my kids, I've said, this isn't a democracy in this house. It's a dictatorship. And, uh, and here uh, is me telling you what you have to do. And I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. But on the other end of the spectrum, Dr. Wetter, we do want our kids to feel like they're contributing. So we don't want chores to seem a punishment. We, we want them to seem like they want, we want them to have that sense of satisfaction that they did a good job and look at how great this looks now. We can have a party on our backyard because you kept the yard looking so nice. Well, and I think that's reinforcing everything that we have to do, which is not just to accomplish a task. And again, whether it's a chore, cleaning up a room or taking out the trash or washing the dishes, but also studying for a test, writing a paper, Taking that moment to really appreciate when you get that test back and you did well, take a second, appreciate it. How does that feel? Do you want to feel that way again? You know, you earned it. That, that, you know, I mean, essentially that's the title of the book, earning it. Earning it is so much sweeter than being either having it given or in many cases, you know, not earning it and just, you know, not appreciating it. You mentioned some very key terms at the, at the outset, which is gratitude, empathy, resiliency. You know, these are all such key components that I fear are being lost over time. When we talked about the idea of uh, kids learning appropriate and effective ways to fail to build success, that's the key path of building resiliency. And one of the key reinforcing things that I recommend all the time is to build in gratitude. 
Wake up. When we go, you know, as parents, we model. Instead of saying, I have to go to work today, say, I get to go to work today because I would feel quite differently if I didn't have a job. That's true. So, so when kids wake up and, you know, my daughter says, oh, do I have to go to school? You know, sometimes I'll say, no, you don't. We can pull you out. You know, you go to an excellent private school here. It was hard to get in. We can pull you out. It's okay. We can stop going to that school. You can go to a, a different school or no school at all. And Homeschooling, that way, baby. That's right. <laughs> and then she goes, no, 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 no. I want to get no, up. I want to go. Okay. That's right. Okay. So get up. But no, I said, no, no. Then you don't wake up and say, do I have to? You get to go to school today. That's right. You know, gratitude. And, and we hear that so often, Dr. Wetter, that teaching your children gratitude. And I was actually just speaking about this earlier on another show that we do these sort of blessing bags where I've taught my children that they, we all go shopping and we fill these bags with socks and mittens and water and food and things. And we hand them out to people we see on the street all winter That's long. Wonderful. That's so wonderful. And, and so, but they've learned to do that. They'll walk up to somebody, uh, you know, that's there and there's toothbrushes and coloring books and we have some for children and so, and they'll walk up and they'll say, here, you know, here's this or happy holidays or, you know, good luck to you or something, whatever it is that they say. And I think it taught my kids a lot. They were a little scared at first, but I think it taught them an empathy that they couldn't imagine before. Well, it, what you're really talking about, and I, I, it's, that's such a wonderful example teaching children to think outside of themselves, to think yeah. beyond themselves, okay? And I think that's such a valuable life lesson to really, and that's the very definition, if you will, in essence, of, of empathy, is putting yourself in someone else's position, which means stepping outside of yourself. And that, I think, is, is, is the true goal of what any parent wants for their children, is to be able to not only succeed in their own life and be independent and autonomous, but also to have compassion for others. Dr. Wetter, your book is named Earn It, right? Yes. So when we want our children to earn it, now my 17-year-old son, obviously, he's got a job. So he's working in the summer and he's working even during the school year on the weekends because I said, I'm not going to give you money anymore. I'm not going to finance your social life. That's Mm -hmm. basically what I said. I'm willing to pay for the necessities, but not the fun stuff. Where does you know, allowance come in and should allowance be given because some of my kids' friends get allowance and don't do anything for it. Where does allowance come in where we say, okay, you're not maybe old enough to get a job, but I'll give you some allowance so you have money to spend, but you have to do this and this for it because, and I'm asking you this because I consider some house chores not allowance worthy. This is just, you have to bring up the laundry because that's what we do in this house. You don't get an allowance for that. That's right. You don't get paid to bring up the laundry. It's, you know, it's your laundry or, you know, that, that's part of what you do to maintain this household. I think, you know, the concept of allowance is a good one. And, but I, and I also think it may be a subjective measure of what one decides to give allowance for. The things that I would advocate for, though, are that it be consistent and it be clear in terms of what it's tied to. So, for example, it may be, and I, I subscribe to the fact of I'm not going to necessarily give you a set amount per week, but I will provide you with certain things as you need them that are, are, are more on the frivolous side, so long as these conditions are met. One, that there's never any issue with your homework, okay, so that you're turning it in and you're, you're living up to your responsibility at school. Two, that you study hard. Three, that you maintain your, your room in good working order and, and, and it's clean. Four, that you volunteer at home to participate in maintaining the home. Not that you're asked to, but that you are proactive in doing Ooh, so. Good point. And I'm just throwing out certain things. So, you know, it, it, 
I think it's really subjective, and I think it's up to each and every individual parent and family to determine their own path. But as long as you're clear, consistent, and the expectations are known, that's the true important quality. So what's the end goal? What are we, what are we looking for to teach our children? And, and I've always said this, Crosby, Stills, and Nash said it, teach your children well. And we have to do that. That's our responsibility as parents. We're going to have kids. We have to teach them. We have to raise them with good sense of responsibility and accountability. So what's our end goal? How do we know that what we're doing is correct. Well, I think we'll know, when, you know, I like to say we know when we get there. I think that what w- the end game is really to be a proud parent of a child who grows to be an autonomous, uh, resilient, and empathetic individual who's compassionate, kind, yet strong, and knows the difference between needs and wants. To me, if my daughter ends up that way, I'm a happy man. You know, I'm a satisfied parent. And look, I'm making mis- I-, I make mistakes not on a weekly basis. I make mistakes on a daily basis. My daughter's fifth birthday costs more than my wedding, you know, uh, without question. And did she earn that? No, she didn't earn that. That was me, one, playing, trying to keep up with the Joneses, and two, I wanted to see my kid happy. I wanted to see the biggest smile on her face that I could give her. And that's, you know, that's what I did. But then I learned from that. So I don't think this is just about teaching our kids. It's about us reexamining us ourselves as parents. And what are we modeling? What are we doing? And are we teaching them again? The difference between being happy all the time, which is a fallacy, or being strong and being able to accept certain limitations and being grateful for what we do have. And I think that if if, if our kids and we as parents can accept that and become that, model it and mirror it, then we've succeeded. Rock on and so well said. Where can people find out more about you, Dr. Wetter, and your book? Well, I would encourage people to go to my webpage. It's, it's a very entitled title called drwetter.com, D-R-W-E-T-T-E-R.com. They can also find my book on Amazon. There are links to the book on my webpage, so please check it out. Thank you so much. It's really great information and so important for listeners to hear from someone such as yourself that can give us these good, usable, workable kinds of ways that we can all make ourselves better people and make our children better as well as ourselves. And remember, you can rate and review. Go on to iTunes and rate and review these shows because that way, like-minded people, we can all get involved. And of course, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and listen to more of these shows at RadioMD.com. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening and stay well.